Hello and welcome to Tales to Admonish with your co-host Tom and the black creator who's never given it away to the white community, Arthur Romeo. Hell yeah! (laughs) At least not for free anyway. On this week's episode, we discuss the blackout, see what I did there, of black dance creators (laughs) on TikTok who have said they're not making any new TikTok dances until they start getting the credit and not the white people who get famous performing them. Mm -hmm. We discuss the new Batgirl project they have casted in the Heights star Leslie Grace and the white tears flow predictably. We get halfway through season five of Rick and Morty. Arthur isn't quite caught up, but I'm going to let him know what I think of it. And I think it's season five out of 10, which is not saying much, but it's not saying it sucks. (laughs) And lastly, for our deep dive this week, we're talking about Space Jam, a new legacy. It's not a good movie, and that's okay. So join us (laughs) as we discuss this and more on... It's not a good movie, but that's okay. It's all right. We're going to get to that at the end. And I I look forward to talking about it because I think think we're going to disagree on it and we're going to agree on it. And that's always the most fun. So how are you, sir? Mm -hmm. I'm good, man. Uh, Birthday was just this past Sunday. Oh, yeah. I saw you did some like VR shit. You were out uh, shooting monsters or something in a VR room. What, what was that all about? Yeah. Took my friend Tony uh, and, my, and my daughter Daphne. And uh, um, it's a place that I went to about three years ago before all the pandemic stuff happened. Uh, for maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah, about two years ago. And uh, it was really scary because it was this uh, haunted zombie mansion. And the suits are, ha- are have haptic uh, uh, parts to the, to the chest and the back. So, like, you'll feel them scratching on your back, the zombies, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've never, uh, I've never done anything like that. I've never actually worn VR goggles of any kind mm-hmm. in my life. Oh, wow. You got to try it. Uh, you definitely should try Oculus Quest 2 um, uh, because that's just – it's just so great. It's like the – it's the most um, ready available VR – um, I'm sure that someone can argue with me about that, but it's, you know, for the longest time, it was either very expensive or you had to have your phone attached to it. Like Oculus and Oculus Quest 2 were like really the first ones where they were mobile, they were self-contained, and it works really good. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so I, I would suggest uh, Oculus Quest 2 because there's so many things you could do on there. There's learning stuff. You could watch movies on there. It seems like you're in a movie theater. Of course, there's all the game stuff. But there's like there's so many things you could do. You could like, walk around uh, North Korea. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy <laughs> that's interesting that's where you went you're like you could play video games you could watch movies you could walk around north korea <laughs> uh, that's the big three that's the big three right video games movies touring dictatorship states that's awesome i love it <laughs> like i'm sure you're curious about like what it looks like over there you know, it's like, I mean, you're able to do that. You're able to do that on a VR. It's crazy. I wonder yeah. who risked their life to get that footage. You know, that's the that's the terrifying thing is you're not allowed to record shit out there because, as I understand it, it's largely terrible. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> it looked, they it like looked, to keep it that shit like to themselves. Too. Yeah. They recently in North Korea banned South Korean slang and haircuts. So mm-hmm. if that's the kind of stuff that's going on in there, may, maybe I tour Rome first or like, or someplace friendly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, I'm like, wow, this VR is so immersive. It really looks like everyone hates me and my culture. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. They probably didn't know what that 360 camera thing was. So like that's what that's what they shoot to be able to capture that sort of footage. Every other thing that you see on the camera is just someone holding a sign that says send help, but you don't know because I don't speak Korean. <laughs> Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, North Korea. Yeah, but um oh, the the uh the yeah, like the birthday was great. Also did this event for some foster children. I did some balloons and face painting. It was called the Day of the Child, and nice. uh, we were just uh, we had a carnival for uh, you know a bunch of foster kids that came, and uh, that was great too. You know, I I came from foster care, so I always try to do things for them, love them. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was all in all, it was a great birthday. Cool. Well, you got something coming in the mail. It's going to be there, I think, on Monday. Oh, snap. And uh, when you get it, like, yeah, do like an unboxing video or something. Okay. Go <laughs> put it on Instagram. <laughs> no, I still got to do the Instagram post for last week, but I've just been, I've been wrapped up in stuff. So I'm going to get to that, people. I get They get like seven likes. So, you know. <laughs> it's getting if busy I, all for seven you. of you, then I'm disappointing. I'm sorry. Oh, but before it was just two. So we're up to seven. Hell yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, man. Slow but steady progress. Hell I like yeah. it. I like it. And we're only on Instagram. I'm sure there's a whole wealth of other ways we could be uh, putting ourselves out there. But I'm old. <laughs> all I know I'm is the old, old stuff. I'm old. I don't even have TikTok. <laughs> you do you do TikTok? Yes. You do, you do. Um, good. So then you would be in a much better position to tell me the value of this. So I understand the TikTok dance craze is, of course, one of the keys to the platform. Yes. Is people duetting or duoing. I know, God, I sound so fucking anachronistic. <laughs> School me, sir, about what dancing on TikTok is all about and how that's relevant to our conversation today. Well, um, I mean, since black culture was robbed of its culture, it assumed pop culture. So pop culture is basically black culture. And uh, we we create so much entertainment. It's insane. But what hasn't changed in a good 70, 80 years is uh, the people's ability to just completely rob us of, of what we create. So wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you telling me that Elvis didn't invent Rock and roll. <laughs> See, that's the problem. That's the problem with you damn crackers. <laughs> no, 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 no. We all know that it was actually Sister Rosetta Tharp. And if you don't know who that is, look it up because freaking they stole everything yeah. from her. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's a tried and true uh, stigma in America that's still from black folks because it's just easy to do it. It's like it's in the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, so uh, another iteration of that has popped up through TikTok. So, you know, TikTok is largely what it is because of black entertainment, uh, dances, mm-hmm. all of the challenges that we make. They use like yeah, yeah. black music on everything. <laughs> so like in this in this situation, and this has been happening. I mean, this is this was happening uh, since like the, the the creator of the Millie Rock made the Millie Rock and um, that game Fortnite started stealing all the dances from black creators, making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Not giving the black creators their, their due, you know, and the same thing happened on TikTok, where 
these black creators who don't like say have like a hugest following, mm-hmm. they'll just like fart out an amazing dance <laughs> because they're so they're so brilliant. <laughs> and the the thing is, TikTok is made for you to like look at videos and copy them and stuff. Right, right, right. But what's happening is that like like the the cute white person who's always more palatable around the world mm. will take the thing and not give credit as if they made the thing. Right, right, right. You know? It'd be different if they made got like if they did something with the creator or they just hey, like can you give them a shout out? If you like this dance, this yeah. is the person nope, that created it. But that's it. not how it works. You're not saying you created it, but you're also not saying who Yeah, created. a lot of this like really happened with um a famous TikToker who's kind of like expanding past TikTok, uh, Addison Rae. She's cute, cute white chick. But she went She went on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, you know, he should have been ashamed of himself. Oh, I heard about the Jimmy Fallon controversy. Yeah. That's what led to this whole yes. thing. Yes, he invited her on uh, to the Tonight Show to do these dances. And, and just no commentary on who actually made these dances. Right. So the black creators, and I'm glad they did this, because we need to always do stuff like this. Like if we were working as a group to, like, really cause dismay... Mm-hmm. You know, to really get people to see stuff. And, um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they they totally just boycotted TikTok. And, and and what do you what do you think would happen if there all these new songs are coming out and the black creators aren't making dances? All the dances suck now. <laughs> yeah, it feels like they're throwing down the gauntlet to the to the white creators like, hey, you guys make up some dances. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so so as a white person, Arthur, I have to assume there are amazing creative dances and content coming out of this void that's been created. My white brothers and sisters are jumping in there and they're, they're taking care of business, right? No. <laughs> Not so much. No, huh? man. Like, um, I, I think it was Meg, Meg the stallion came out <laughs> with this song saying, um, knees bending down and, and all this type of stuff. And, and you, you have these mm-hmm. girls, these white girls, like they keep doing this dance where they're waving their hands in the air and, and walking like backwards. <laughs> Is it like you just don't care? Because I hear that's very popular. <laughs> but the thing is, the instructions are in the song and they're not doing it. <laughs> they just, they can't even get that part right. So uh, like, if you look at the black reactions to all this stuff on YouTube, it's so fun. Mm. Yeah. You, you could have a really good afternoon. <laughs> Well, I think the problem, Arthur, is is that we don't have cocaine around like it used to be. Because if you watch video of white people in the '80s, those motherfuckers could dance. Oh well, they were they were coming out of disco era, man. It it was that's what I'm saying. It was it was the cocaine. It allowed them to stay up and practice. Mm-hmm. I think, and that that really helped a lot. And now cocaine use. I mean, I don't even know anybody anymore who uses cocaine, and so I think that's why all the dancing sucks. Um, so <laughs> that's my theory. I think they could dance. It's the whole idea of creating a dance. Cause like they've, they've, mm. they've shown that they could dance like, you know, like, you know, it's varying degrees of skill, but it's being original. Yeah. Being able to create the stuff. Like that's the problem, mm. you know? So, uh, I, I've been glad to actually see this, you know, it's been great. <laughs> well, you know what, you know what, if there's one thing apparently that the black community has stolen from us white people is Batgirl. Oh, no. <laughs> Batgirl is a redheaded white lady named Yvonne Craig who 
is the reason why at a young age I knew that I was straight. Because <laughs> if you watched the Batman show from, you know, the, with Adam West and Burt Ward, Yvonne Craig was Batgirl and she was she was incredible. Like, oh, like eight-year-old me didn't know Damn. what I was feeling, but I knew it was special. Man, Tom, I feel so bad. Other than that Batgirl, there hasn't been quite as many iterations of Batgirl that is a white girl with red hair. Oh, you know, you, you're right, man. Hey, hey, Alicia Silverstone was blonde, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> So, you know, already they're fucking with perfection. But now, now apparently uh, Batgirl comes from the Dominican Republic. Uh, it is going to be Leslie Grace from In the Heights. Mm-hmm. And she was fantastic in In the Heights. Uh, my sister saw it and said that it was great. And she... um I'm not much for musicals, you know, not trying to be closed minded, but I used to work in musical theater Mm -hmm. for years. And I think I've seen enough musicals for one lifetime Mm -hmm. and I'm good now. And so, but she thought that she was fantastic and by all rights, everybody agrees. So Uh, that movie, that movie has a lot of great moments. Oh, you saw it? What did you see? You thought it was good? Yeah. The movie has a lot of great moments. I think it's a little too long. Mm. I think all, I think most movies are now. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think all movies are too long now. But so she's going to be Batgirl in the and it. I don't know whether it's going to be a film or a series. They just keep referring to it as the project. So it's it's an early development, mm-hmm. but it's being directed by Adil LRB and Bilal Falah. And they um, are going to have it ready for HBO Max in 2023. Mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as a person of color was cast into a traditionally white role. White tears. And they flow. Oh, they flow on Twitter. People were losing their goddamn minds. And I would have thought, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, I would have thought that everybody was seeing this coming because, you know, recently Jeffrey Wright was cast as Commissioner Gordon in, you know, Matt Reeves' The Batman. And so if you can accept black commissioner Gordon and nobody, nobody balked at that. There wasn't this huge uproar on Twitter. Like, Oh, it's really important that commissioner Gordon be white. You're taking our heritage and our history. But as soon as you take the hot chick and you change it into a hot chick of color, because let's put it this way. It's going to be a convention. She's conventionally attractive. She's just not white. Everybody cries. about. Mm -hmm. You you saw, you saw what they saw what they did about Ariel. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was oh, that was sheesh. So to you know, Arthur. Sometimes I'll reach out to you and I'll ask you to speak to black people on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'd like to speak to white people on your behalf. No thanks. So let them know. No, no, no. <laughs> just just for a moment. Just oh, well, I'll speak to them on my own behalf. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I'll let you know, white people. This is a two way street. We've been taking characters of color. From, from, you know, those communities in, in Hollywood forever. You're telling me that Jesus is a white guy and Genghis Khan was the Duke? He wasn't? So, turnabout is fair play. John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. Cleopatra? Cleopatra was not a white lady. Mm-hmm. Jesus was not a white dude. Genghis Khan was not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. So... These things happen sometimes in Hollywood. We like to change it up and have a little fun, a little bit of fun with it. So, um, so let's let's not get upset. Let's not get upset when these sorts of things happen. Nobody took Yvonne Craig away. You can go watch Yvonne Craig. You can go watch Alicia Silverstone if that's what you're into, and then maybe you know just hug somebody and make better choices. Um, but this is gonna be good. This actress is good, and all of your versions of the character that you love and grew up with are still there for you to go back and revisit and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, I don't have the patience to talk to them. 
<laughs> so so yes, yet again, yet again, we acknowledge the uh, the 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 communities, the white communities that get upset about this shit and say mm. good luck to you. <laughs> all right, enough about all that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to bring all that up and and upset you, Arthur. But um, <laughs> I just had to talk to those people for a moment. But in cool comic book news, which not that that news wasn't cool, but in in uh, in quieter comic book news. Uh, Charlie Cox, who a lot of people remember is Daredevil from Netflix's series, who was fucking excellent. Yep. There's been a lot of rumors surrounding him reappearing in the Marvel Universe because he was so beloved in the Netflix yes, series. Yes, uh, Feige basically, he was, he was pretty loud about that being the series and um, the casting that he liked more than everything else. Uh, I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like he was partial to Jessica Jones too. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see how they roll them out. Honestly, I, I kind of wish they had some bit of a cameo in the intro to Infinity War since it was taking oh place in God, New York. Oh, my God. That's what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted them in Infinity War somewhere. You know, like they, 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 if Howard the Duck is fighting at the end of, of Endgame, like why can't like any of those characters could have been there? No doubt. Well, uh, what they had said was that he was set to appear at a event called Celebrity Fan Fest. And that he had to cancel his appearance because of, quote, emergency reshoots. So immediately the Internet detectives started looking into it and realized that actually Spider-Man No Way Home was in reshoots that had just been called. Hmm. So a lot of people are speculating that we could get Charlie Cox's Daredevil in Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I don't think that's what it is. Personally, what I think it is, I think he's off doing She-Hulk uh, reshoots and he's off because they're uh, sorry, not reshoots. They're in primary photography right now. They're doing they're shooting She-Hulk. And I think if you're going to introduce lawyer Daredevil, you know, Matt Murdock, then you do it in a law drama, which is what She-Hulk is going to be. So while it would be very cool to see him play with Spider-Man, I think we get him in a TV show first. What do you think? Well, I mean, from everything that I heard before the She-Hulk thing was even a thing, I heard that, you know, uh, Cox had already shot his stuff uh, on Spider-Man. So, I mean, since you're saying that there's reshoots, you're saying they're doing reshoots to take him out of Spider-Man? No, I'm not saying they did reshoots to take him out of Mm Spider-Man. I didn't know that it was a definite thing that he was in Spider-Man to begin with. Do you think that that's a predetermined, that that's a definite? I... From what I remember from a year ago, that's what it was. And then, then you know, as soon after that, they announced She-Hulk, but they hadn't started shooting yet. So it just, to me, it just made sense that he would pop up in that too. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why he can't be in both. I mean, this, this is the time of uh, multi-dimensional stuff, and also introducing more of the street, uh, street style characters. You know, from from for Blade and and you know Ghost Rider and all these you know, other street type characters that are going to be showing up too, especially with uh, um, with Miss Marvel and all of them coming up too, and the Young Avengers. You're going to need all these mentor characters to be around as well. You know, I like it. I like it, Arthur. You've invoked my favorite taco commercial, Cano <laughs> Las Dos. Let's have it all. I want it all. I want Charlie Cox's Daredevil in Spider-Man and She-Hulk. Yes. Thank you. That's correct. My expectations were too low. I wasn't thinking clearly. Cano Las Dos. Let's have it all, baby. I love it. I love it. Um, Oh, and another interesting uh, Marvel news. 
Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange 2 has just about finished filming and Elizabeth Olsen has finished filming her part. But she was doing an interview a couple of days ago and she had a couple interesting things to say about the movie. She seems to think it's going to be the scariest Marvel movie ever made, which I'm not sure that that's even a meaningful statement because that bar is so low. Haven't Mm. even had a quote unquote scary Marvel movie. I mean, Miss Minutes jump scare in Loki was about the most startling thing we've had. (laughs) That was the scariest thing in in any any Marvel Marvel property. (laughs) So I think when you say that, like, you're getting the scariest Marvel movie of all time, you know, you could you could have Hellraiser or you could have, you know, uh, uh, Goosebumps. Well, I mean, to me, to me, that's not like saying a lot. I'm sure it's, you know, saying something now for, you know, the star to be coming out to say this. But like, you know, inside baseball, you know, Scott Derrickson, who was originally who originally directed a Doctor Strange one and was so excited to direct uh, part two because you know, originally they were promising him that he was going to be able to make it like a super horror film. And, that, you know, that's where his origins lay. You know, yeah, Some, yeah. something happened that kind of, um, you know, for, from what Marvel Studios says, it was an amicable departure from uh, Doctor Strange 2. So who knows what that means? You know, <laughs> well, that means nobody wants to burn anybody. Marvel's like, yo, if you don't talk shit about us, we won't talk shit about you. And maybe we hire you another time. That's what amicable departure means. Yeah. Who knows how it how it had all laid out, you know? I just feel bad for him because he was really so excited and did such a great job with the first one, you know? They're both hard directors, but Sam Raimi does have just a little bit of a lighter flavor. Yeah, man. Um, Drag Me to Hell is one of my favorite horror films. Mm-hmm. It's so fun and funny. Oh, my God. And like, and like and, But just has so much great horror grit. Yeah, as well. Evil Dead, the whole Evil Dead, everything, mm-hmm. um, and and Spider Man Three is an absolute horror show. So you know, uh, yeah, man, like this <laughs> most horrific thing ever made. <laughs> with every with every hip thrust and snap that Toby did, like oh, he caused like God. nightmares around the world. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I don't even know who to blame for that because you know, like a room full of people S- sat Raimi? down. And, no, no, okay, Raimi. So Raimi made it, but Raimi. No, no. See, look, <laughs> I I have a theory about this. Like whenever you see somebody wearing terrible clothes or like an awful shirt or an awful sweater or something and you go, how could that person have bought it? I don't judge that person. What I judge is the team of people it would have taken to make it. The entire room full Mm-mm. of people that all were like, oh, yeah, no, that's the one. You've really, you've really nailed it this well, time. I got there was some a whole inside room full news. of people that told Sam Raimi that, oh yeah, dance, the whole dance number, great idea. I got some inside news for you, Tom. Okay. Because I actually was at a party where I worked with one of the, like, one of, one of the head, like, production people that was working on that with, uh, with Raimi. And, you know, Raimi was such a sourpuss, like, that whole production because he couldn't get um, his vulture. He wanted, you know, his whole thing was the classic Spider-Man villains. Right, right. Because that's what he grew up with. And they insisted on Venom by the third movie. They insisted. Well, he he got he got two whole movies where he got to do classic characters. Right. Like how many times how many times are going to get to get some of the new pop more popular characters out? Like who's more popular, Vulture or Venom? It's a no brainer. Okay, so if they're telling you to do that job, do that job and and, and service the fans. Yeah. Instead, he was mopey, mopey, and decided not to even really do any um, uh, research on Venom. Yeah. So uh, constant, constantly, he would ask 
Uh, a lot of the pre- production guys. Well, what would Venom do right here? The director, oh, Sam Raimi. I don't so, want to hear no, that. No, no, you better so hear lame. it. I don't believe you. you. Oh, wow. I don't believe you. <laughs> Fake news, Arthur. I'm a white guy, all right? I'm going to reject what I don't like, God damn it. <laughs> it's not true, never happened. Fake news, Sam Raimi is flawless. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Get his name out of your mouth. God damn it. Oh, uh, you know I love Sam, but I don't <laughs> I love him for what he did with Spider-Man Three, man. So it was after after Spider-Man Two was so great. If that's the report from behind the scenes, then I'm gonna take your word for it. You know all about it. Hmm. Oh man. <laughs> so I hope it's true too, because I really want a scary comic book movie. Because obviously the New Mutants didn't do it. They tried. They swung. They missed. It happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what other movie even remotely qualifies I, as a scary quote unquote Marvel movie. I mean, I think the Ghost Rider movies, you know, just because you got a flaming skull screaming and laughing into a camera, maybe qualify in the yeah, genre but, a little because he was League of Monsters. Yeah, but it, that wasn't Mar- that that wasn't Marvel Studios. That's true, but I'm just trying to think scary mainstream comic book movie. I can't even really think of one. You know, no matter how badly I want one. Yeah, and so like, you know what I want? You know what my my fantasy freaking scary Marvel movie is, is the X-Men versus the brood. Cause the brood were basically just Marvel ripping off alien and mm-hmm. it works. Holy cow. I want, I want the X-Men fighting the Xenomorphs. And I think you do that as a horror movie and you do it super gritty. That'd be pretty sick. And you do X-Men versus the brood like that, I think is a horror movie. Or I think that again, you can do Dr. Doom in a horror movie because you mm-hmm. have Dr. Doom shaped by his magic and his knowledge of hell. And you shape mm-hmm. Dr. Doom with that. You can make that pretty scary too. But I think, look, the, the idea that it's going to be the scariest Marvel movie ever, I think that's a pretty low bar, but I have no doubt they're going to leap over it. Actually, I think the scariest comic book thing we ever saw was Spider-Man 2. That hospital scene where they have Alfred Molina on the bench and they've got all the surgeons around with the saws and the legs and they start ripping people apart and killing people. And mm-hmm. you get the the orderly that's dragged into the dark with their nails carving a path in the floor. Like that's that's probably the scariest thing I ever saw with utilizing Marvel characters. Uh, that scene was pretty funny to me. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like all of the like Raimi like oh it's every like, Raimi trope on Earth. This is really minutes. fun yes. with all the all the zooms and you know. But I love really, that. I, I the evil. I love dead it too, it but it wasn't like scary. Well, it was it was more like oh that's funny. <laughs> like because like he would zoom in on the because he would treat each one of those tentacles like a character so he would yeah, zoom in yeah. on their face on the little clippers oh my god stuff. when the thing grabs the lady by the face and like wraps the claws around her head that's that's legit yeah. like that's those are horror shots those are that's horror filmmaking definitely but like i said Raimi's always been more on the fun side of it yes it's like and i think not like not like oh my god it's so scary versus like oh no that's crazy oh no you're just like a roller coaster but ride, i think that you know? fun is the difference between scott derrickson and sam Raimi, and i think that the studio felt pretty firmly that 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 difference needed to exist because scott derrickson's work you know doctor strange is a good movie but i it's not but i would say genuinely 
funny. There are some parts that are funny, but largely it's a drama. And then his other movies, you know, Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister, like those are straight up horror movies. So I think maybe some oh, heck of the fun yeah. would have been missing. And that's probably what they butted heads on. Yeah, I I, I wish Derrickson got to make his movie. Cause I would have, I would have enjoyed like Doctor Strange isn't isn't fun horror. Yeah, it's like it's you know just like the first movie, it, it like it 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 brings you awe and takes you to places that you never expect, and and puts you in like I mean like that's one of the, the one of, like that's one of the best endings Marvel's had for a movie. You know, uh, I've come to bargain. Yeah, you know. Versus like the typical way some villain dies, you know? Just punchy, punchy. Um, like this guy defeats yeah. the villain with logic and largely with just minimals. It's more the idea that defeats him than the power. Oh, yeah. And um, it's like, I mean, just that that sort of thing and then leaning, leaning itself to the darker dimensions of the world and having that to deal with that stuff. Yeah. I'd rather it be more uh, cerebral than like... Oh, let's make this fun, fun, fun. <laughs> Not saying that Sam Raimi doesn't know how to do that because like, I love this movie, The Gift. Yeah. The Gift didn't have any sort of fun horror in it. That's true. And it's like one of Be- Keanu Reeves' best performances. He plays this crazy hillbilly. This, well, he's more like a drunk hillbilly. <laughs> and he was good in that. Did you, did you see The Gift? I know of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, you got to check that out. It's such a great cast. Well, I, I will definitely put that on my list. Take a look at it. Yeah, man. Drag Me to Hell and The Gift. Yeah, God, Drag Me to Hell is so great. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I fell in love with him through the uh, through the Evil Dead, and uh, I saw Army of Darkness in theaters when I was a kid. Rachel and I mm-hmm. went to the Evil Dead Sam Raimi pop up museum at the Mystic Museum in Burbank. Oh my God, that's dope! And it was such a great exhibit. You got to see all the Necronomicons and the costuming. You get to sit. They reassembled part of the cabin set inside the Mystic Museum. I don't, I'm sure it's not there any longer, but it was, it was fantastic while it lasted. It just happened, thankfully, to be in town while we were in town. So we, we definitely caught that. So I love horror. I love everything horror. And if you can do horror shout outs, mm-hmm. you got me sold. And, um, that makes a perfect transition to talking about Rick and Morty because the most recent episode was a whole play on Hellraiser, which was freaking hysterical. Um, it was episode five, which was uh, a Mortican graffiti, which, I'm it's so hard to say the title of these episodes because they're always supposed to be Rick and Morty puns on known uh, properties. I don't think it works. I think it's cute. Uh, Family Guy tried to do it season one and then they just abandoned that shit. And I I would hope that Rick and Morty would take that note. But that's okay. The titles suck, Hmm. but the episodes are all right. Now, you were um, you were catching up with it. Have you caught up with any more of it since last time we spoke? No, I just haven't had time. But I've been wanting to watch more. <laughs> no, it, it's fun. And you know, it's funny. I have a thought about these long running series because Rick and Morty finally has a 10 season order. So what we're looking at right now is really the midway point in mm-hmm. what's going to be their body of work largely. And they'll probably get an extension after the 10th year. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But we are we're in the mm. middle of their body of work. And I think that when you look at a lot of series, long run series, there are peaks and there are valleys. And then there are times when you just kind of run out the clock a little bit. And what I feel like we have now is we're at this crossroads where it seems like they're rediscovering their identity a little bit. Because 
I'm getting a little tired of Rick and Morty's constant reliance on inflammatory and sexual humor. Like the, the show has gotten very sexualized in its humor and I'm, I'm not approved by any measures, but I just feel like it's low hanging fruit. So in one of the episodes, yeah. we have a play on star Wars episode one, the pod racing scene where the spaceship is racing this space pod thing, which is clearly modeled after the star Wars movie. But instead of engines, it has testicles. You know what I mean? Mm. And I just feel like like that's funny the first time, but I don't know about the rewatchability of that joke. And season four mm. really, really, really suffered from this. And every time we talk about Rick and Morty, I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And it's like they are constantly flirting with everything I hated about season four, but without fully committing to it. So it feels like it feels like a show that has learned its lesson a little bit, but hasn't learned what it's going to be. So I'm happy like uh, episode four of this season was just absurd. And we it starts out with a with a with a masturbation joke that becomes the whole episode. And then everybody's getting attacked by Morty's sperm. And so then the government <laughs> comes up with an idea to use a giant egg to lure all of these attack sperm away from the city and then it turns out that it's his sister's egg and it's like i just don't fucking need this i'm sorry you're a funny show i just feel like this is just it's not my brand of humor so mm. i feel like it's real real hit and miss this season i like their high points this episode four was kind of a low point for me but we're halfway through and i am legit excited to see where they go with it because there's been some really fun stuff this season that's given me hope and they've gone in some new and interesting directions that i hope are more the future of the show than what they did in season four and what we're seeing in episode four so that's my take on it that's my 50 cent you know rick and morty corner yeah i mean i'm i'm excited to keep going you know, I mean, every show ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's the fact that they're getting a like a 10 season order is a testament to how good the show is. I don't think you really hear that often. <laughs> no. And you know what it is? What that really was, was that was Justin Roiland and um, the community, uh, Dan Harmon. Uh, it was Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon turning the screws on on the produce on, you know, Adult Swim because they did season one. Season one was a smash hit. And so they give them an order for season two. Season two is a smash hit. So now they're like, look, we'd like a multi-season order. And they go, no, we're going to give you an order for season three and that's it. And I'm like, season one and season two are, are runaway hits. It's hands down the most popular program on your channel. Just give us a three-season order. And they said, no, you get a one-season mm-hmm. order. And so they did season three and the whole time they did it, it was like, you will give us a 10 total 10 season order, or this will be the last season we ever make. That's it. Those are the terms. And season three was a smash hit. And then suddenly, and Dan Harmon said, look, my problem is, is that I never know if I'm getting an order for another season of Rick and Morty. So I got to work on other projects. That's why it keeps taking forever to get these seasons out is because if you bought four seasons from us, then I would know that that's what I'm working on for the next four years. And I wouldn't have to go shopping work every other week. So just order the seasons, you know, you're going to stop stringing us along. And they strung them along and strung them along. And finally, Dan Harmon was like, seven seasons or nothing. That's the deal. Seven or zero, pick one or the other. And Adult Swim blinked. 
and they they ordered up seven seasons at ten episodes a season. So they they made some money. That's dope. That. Hell yeah. And that was good because I love seeing content creators turn the screws on the production companies that are stringing them along. Yeah. I mean, he has the experience to to be able to you know, like leverage those type of deals. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. So catch up with it. It's good times. Super, super, super good times. Um, so yeah. So I think that I think that probably wraps up our uh, news. Speaking of the VO, like I don't think I told you, Justin Roiland has a VO game that I uh, VR not VO, uh, VR a VR game. Uh, I can't remember the title of it, but it's, it, I've been playing it for like a while, and it's hilarious, man. <laughs> Justin Roiland's got a VR game. Nice. Yeah, it's just filled with his. You know, he does almost every voice in it, and it's just filled with his improv throughout the whole thing. It's just hilarious. Now that's funny because you've pushed back on some of his voice work in the past. And, but you like this? It was specifically Rick. Okay. You know, because I typically like all of his stuff. You know, I've been watching his stuff since uh, House of Cosby's. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the House of Cosby's. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> aged well. I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> Bathtub Cosby. Jesus. <laughs> uh, he's a criminal. oh man um yeah but uh i just wanted to 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 bring that up uh you know since it seems like you're getting a little curious about the v vr world (laughs) i am i just don't know if i'm ready to shell out the coin to own the gear you know because i'm not like a video game guy and so that's a big leap for me come on north korea bro Enjoy scenic North Korea. If that's not a selling point, I don't know what is. <laughs> Tired of looking at starving children in America? Look at starving Korean kids instead. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Talk about horrified kids. I'm sure all the kids are horrified when watching Space Jam, the new Space Jam. Oh, no, see, it's just their parents who are horrified. It's just their parents. The kids, I think the kids are enjoying it. I mean, I I don't know. I don't have kids. It's been quite a while since I've even spoken to a child, but I assume. You're right. I mean, I I do. I I, I feel like kids, I mean, depending on where you are and stuff, kids, they're different in each era. I feel like these kids are aged by like another three years. Whatever age they are, they're like, wisdom wise, they're they're a bit older. So I feel like the tastes are a little bit more advanced. Yeah. You know, because like I, a lot of a lot of the kids that I've talked to about it, they're just like, yeah, didn't like it. You know, but I'm sure I'm sure there's still a cross section of kids that, that are really into it. You know? Oh, absolutely. I think that if you're between the ages of five and 12, this can play. That's probably about your spectrum. Um, 12 is even pushing it a little bit, but I think if you're somewhere in there, I think, I think this movie plays. Well, this, these are my thoughts on the movie. Like, first of all, I had a high regards for this movie because Malcolm Lee, uh, Spike Lee's brother was directing this. And I love any time a black director is able to get like a, a crazy genre film like this. Cause it just doesn't happen often. I mean, if you're you going to make this film, you have to make undercover brother first. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I love Undercover Brother. I'm not even going to uh, lie. Me too. I'm not even going to lie. I fucking love Undercover Brother. Oh, I yeah, love man. that movie. Yo, it is so good. And then Scary Movie 5. It seems like, not to diss on Malcolm Lee, but I will a little bit. Seems like every movie he makes, 
isn't as good as the one that came before it. Cause like, I like his yeah. early stuff, but maybe mm-hmm. the, the, the other stuff that he makes recently just feels a little bit like black Hallmark channel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So maybe, I, I mean, obviously that programming's not for me. That's not supposed to resonate with me. I don't get it. And I don't, but that's what it feels yeah. like. It feels like black Hallmark channel now. Uh, yeah. I mean, night school girls trip, you know, like yeah. those titles, just the titles alone, let you know what you're getting into. Oh, uh, I mean, night school is funny. Night school is funny. <laughs> All right, it's it's, it's it's a it's a yarn, you know. Um, he just he's 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 a stand up director basically. So the the thing is, um, this this is a very particular type of movie, and it's so funny because I just saw that Joe Pitka, the director of original Space Jam, had a lot of choice words to say about oh, this. Oh yeah, yeah. He don't <laughs> he don't like this movie at all. He actually said that it took him. Five shots to get through it that he had to watch it in five sittings. I had a similar experience. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, but you're ignoring important market research. What did your daughter think of the movie? Okay, I'm going to talk about what I thought about the movie, Tom. <laughs> it's not for you, because son. I, I watch all types of movies. I watch kids' movies too. And I, I, when a kid movie's done well, I love that. And I could say how good it is. Okay. Like, I, I really feel, I feel like the last really good kid movie I saw was We Are Heroes that Robert Rodriguez made. Mm. I thought it was freaking excellent. <laughs> it was so fun. Fair and the enough. cast was great. Mm-hmm. So, the, my, my problem with this movie is um, Bugs Bunny is all wrong. They, <laughs> they got Bugs Bunny wrong way up and down. The voice sounds weird. The voice does sound a little odd. It's, it's weird because that guy's done Bugs Bunny before. And mm. and what's really weird is that they have um, Eric Bowser, he's like a new darling of the VO world, mm-hmm. um, and they have him doing Elmer Fudd, Porky Pig, uh, uh, Daffy Duck, and but he also does Bugs Bunny, I think, on the the HBO show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then they had Bob Bergen. Bob Bergen always does Porky Pig, but for some reason they let Eric Bowser do Porky Pig. Hmm. Maybe for the rap part? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, that rap part did not need to exist. <laughs> but that's not for me. That's not for me. I'm sure there's a child. Who is that for then, Tom? <laughs> well, I, it's I for- I don't think that was for anybody. It's it's for nine-year-olds who've seen Eight Mile, of course. <laughs> yeah, Duh. Um, that's the that's the Venn diagram. You got one bubble, you have nine year olds, and on the other bubble, you have you know eight mile, and wherever they intersect, that's who that scene is for. <laughs> so, I mean, I always speak. I always speak to the level of discernment when it comes to when when you have a director, like say for instance, if you have Woody Allen directing like a Jackie Chan action film, right? So, okay. like, I mean, he's he's a director, right? Okay, you know he he understands the story uh, storytelling, right? But if you don't have a specific um, like skill set and discernment level of what constitutes good action, you'll think any action is good action. Mm. So like the weakest thing could be awesome for you and you'll keep it in your movie and you wind up having something lackluster. So I think the same thing happens with Malcolm. You know, I mean, first of all, who's made like these these kind of hybrid animation human movies there's only like what 10 of them <laughs> not a whole lot it's true <laughs> there's not there's not a whole lot so there's a lot you need to understand to make it all work you know that's why there's only so many people that have done it successfully like i mean really the zenith of this is roger rabbit 
and and minor spoilers for anybody who doesn't see. I don't know if we can spoil this. I mean, obviously LeBron James and the cartoons win the basketball game. But all that aside, um, did them going into 3D, is that maybe part of the problem? I mean, if if they if they just if those scenes and things were just done better, if their gags were funnier, if there was more payoff to some of the things that they were doing, like uh, the fact that there, there wasn't there was there was literally literally set up for jokes that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> like they 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 would go to um well what do we do LeBron and LeBron would like he'll be he'll sit there and it would be a great setup for something he's like I don't know. <laughs> then they would just cut away. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> no, that, that I, kept yeah. happening throughout the whole movie. So <laughs> it's not such a thing. It's just like, oh, well, the kids like it. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, some kids are going to like it, but uh, some kids actually have taste too. And I mean, <laughs> uh, and it goes without saying, this, this is a huge commercial for HBO Max. Okay, yes. You know? Okay, it is a massive commercial for HBO Max. And what I think it is, is I think that it's a movie for children with Easter eggs for adults. So you're watching this movie. Horrible, and then you... rotten Easter eggs. Oh, I Horrible, know. Horrible, rotten, just... stinking Easter eggs, Tom. There's you no see those people thing. dressed in the... Ah. Uh... Why does everything have to be gold plated and mounted on a pedestal? <laughs> what is wrong with fun? You know, you're the kind of person that like a kid knocks on your door at Halloween and you're like, boy, if I haven't seen that dime store costume five times tonight. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, my mom works a lot and she doesn't really have a lot of time. You're like, yeah, well, you know, you can take it upon yourself to be creative, but whatever. Have a good night. Like sometimes you just have to let some shit go and just let Boo. it be goofy, silly. Boo, Tom. Boo. Just let it be silly. <laughs> let it be over the top, ridiculously oh unnecessary. My God. Why is the penguin from Batman 2 sitting fucking courtside? I don't know, but it's fun, I think. Unless I'm wrong. Dude, okay, if he's got close to the camera, make sure he looks better than the person that's like five, uh, like uh, like 10, 30 meters away from the camera. Motherfucker, we don't make pay sure likeness he looks rights great. around here. We don't pay likeness rights around here. Don't you dare. All right? That's not Danny DeVito <laughs> oh, in there. Lord. It better be clear it's not. Uh. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know. I know. It's just that there were so many of them. And I think that the at the core of the movie, it has a good message. I think there's a good morality tale. I think that both LeBron James and his movie son have a appropriate arc. And I think everybody learned something and gained some appreciation. I think it's a good movie for a young person to watch. I agree with the arc uh, for the son. I agree with the arc for the son. My, my only problem is that Le LeBron wasn't as good an actor as the son. So when you well, the have the son is an actor. I mean, the son is an actual That's legitimate the actor. LeBron That's the James. problem. That's the problem. Like when, like when, when Michael Jordan just had, like he had Titans to to react to, like Bill yeah. Murray, 
and like superior versions of the Looney Tunes characters, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> Bugs Bunny was great in that movie. Like, and honestly, the animation was way better in that movie. So too. I know you're not telling me that it's it's that uh, Michael Jordan is a good actor. That Michael Jordan's acting was better than LeBron's. Because I thought LeBron James's acting was perfectly fine, and Michael Jordan was not good either. It's it's just that they they the the whole promise was this of this was that it was going to be more of a solid movie that that because uh, LeBron really he really he really worked on his acting to be like a lead in the movie. I thought his voice acting was good. Yeah, his he was marginally better, but it's just like it it just became a little grating. Where he, when he made the same face every time to show that he was a scared, fr- afraid of something. <laughs> I know, I know. And basically, you know? I think my, my final thought on this is that this exists as a weird little popular culture, throwing all the toys in the toy box and dumping it on the floor kind of situation. And those situations are messy and they're not... They're not the best every time, but damn, it's fun just to see the pile of them. And I think that there's a good moral message. I think that this movie is going to resound with kids. And I also just want to remind everybody that when Space Jam, the OG Space Jam came out, it was fucking derided. People hated it. Yeah, it still has a Rotten Tomatoes score of like 53. So let's come back and revisit Space Jam, A New Legacy in 10 years. And let some of that nostalgia dust Man, I love flow Space Jam. and drop all over us and make us feel warm and fuzzy about these things. Again. I, I don't know, man. The original Space Jam had the soundtrack, bro. I know, The soundtrack I to the original Space soundtrack. Jam. I know. No, oh, no, no. That's indefensible. I got nothing for that. God. The original soundtrack. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, you know, I and really and like it. and it was Jordan. You had Jordan in a movie with cartoon characters, like at the top of his fame. LeBron James you know? is not Michael Jordan, but again, I'm not going to judge him for what he is, and I'm going to judge him for what he is. And I think, and the the one thing I want to say is, like, I always remember when people come at Shaquille O'Neal about Shazam, which has an eight <laughs> percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> an eight percent. His argument was always, I hope you don't like Shazam. It's for kids. My kids mm. love Shazam. If you watch Shazam and you look at me and you go, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. He goes, I'm going to worry about you. So <laughs> I, take that, I take that same mentality to Space Jam to mean this is a, an athlete acting Take that for what it is. This is a mishmash of so many different varied characters. Take that for what it is. I think it's just a little piece of pop culture, and I can appreciate that. So I I didn't love it, but I didn't find it to be a waste of my life. Yeah, I mean, for 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 athletes acting, like this is definitely you could definitely say this is like on a top of of a lot of that. (laughs) You know what I didn't appreciate was the big commercial. It was a two hour commercial. and I hate I hated that they got Bugs Bunny wrong, you know. Mm, like they it just, them up a Bugs little. Bunny was weird. It but was weird. Um, this movie did make me laugh more than Coming to America. And uh, <laughs> Coming to America <laughs> Two, you mean? <laughs> yeah, Coming to America Two, of course. Yeah, yeah. Coming to America One is is again beyond reproach. Oh, oh, hell yeah! Uh, but the, there was that one moment where um, where Por- Porky Pig drops his mic. And Tweety wipes the screen like that one meme <laughs> when it's like, oh, that <laughs> no, made come me, on. that the, destroyed me. That was what, so what funny. What got me was when I thought they're like, 
You'll never guess who we found in the crowd. Michael Jordan. And then Michael B. Jordan comes through and he's like, that's Michael B. Jordan. He's like, I tried telling him I was just getting some popcorn, but I think you guys are doing great out there. You could really come back in the second half. <laughs> come on. That was uh, funny. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great setup. I thought it was uh, good. But then it just, it just kind of petered out after uh, that because Michael Jordan, I feel like they could have hand, they, the, the scene needed to be directed a little bit better. Yeah, but. it wasn't so great. You're right. I thought yeah, Michael but, Jordan but the, the better, intro, But the intro of it, like the setup for it, like, because you, it really makes you feel like Jordan's yeah. about to come. <laughs> oh, I can't believe they couldn't the, get the, the movie has so many weird um, jokes about the, the original Space Jam because it's not a direct sequel to right, the original right, Space Jam, right. which is so weird, you know? <laughs> and before we end, before we end, because we got to go, we got to go, but... Don Cheadle is fun. I love Don Cheadle in everything. I know his character I say was Don dumb. Don Cheadle is fun 75% of the time. Yeah, well, again. Because <laughs> they, they just do too many weird things with this character. He's making a children's movie. It seems to me like I'm watching Don Cheadle in his head say to himself, I'm making a kid's movie. And so it is 75% of the time pretty good. And the other 25% of the time it's just loony. But it's Looney Tunes. And there you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. You, you just really wrapped that into a nice bow, didn't you? I suppose I did. <laughs> so if people want to find you on social media and take a look at the unboxing video, when you get the shit I sent you, and I love it, I want you to know the thing I sent you, I didn't even buy it. That's just some shit I had. So if people want to catch up with that, where are they going to find you, Arthur? First of all, they need to come to Tales of Admonish Instagram. That's right. First of all. <laughs> then then you get right. if you want to check out what we're doing on our on our other uh, addresses you can go to draw really awesome wow all underscored on instagram and i just launched the tiktok for draw really awesome wow so you can look for stuff there and of course if you're on youtube because i know you guys are you guys are a bunch of different fan sets for each one of those uh social media streams you can find out my videos on youtube as well for draw really awesome wow and uh, also my website, uh, live. And uh, there you go. Let's head it off to Tommy. In addition to Arthur's Draw Really Awesome Wow on YouTube, you can now find Tales to Admonish on YouTube. You can also find me on Instagram at thomas.olton. And if you like the show, please go on to your podcasting app, rate and review us. Uh, that really helps people find our podcast. And if you like, you can also go on to YouTube and watch our videos and rate and review us there because that would be really awesome. So from all of us here, thank you for stopping by at Tales to Admonish. What's up, Doc? <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. What am I, Ron Burgundy? What the fuck? <laughs> I I got a little tripped up, but I don't think I'm gonna re-record it. We're just mm-hmm. gonna let the awkwardness live forever. All right, my man, go teach your class. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, catch up with you, baby. Peace. All right, see you.